2: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812.
1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. This is Southern California Live. Great to be with you today. And I hope that you're having a good day. We're on every day from three to five. This is hour two of Southern California Live. And hey, if you've been listening, we're carrying over from the last hour a little bit, and we'll we'll change gears. But I want to keep uh, keep this conversation going because it's important. We've been talking about the Respect for Marriage Act that's going through the Senate and how it is affecting. Uh, it's not really about marriage as much as it is a threat to. Uh, Christian organizations and perhaps losing their nonprofit status or generating a whole lot of lawsuits about – Uh, marriage and how we see kids. And uh, it'll go off in all kinds of issues about the family and the breakdown of the family. This is Albert Moeller discussing this today.
2: The very fact that Senator Lee would say
1: that he had offered to support the amendment, if it would make clear that there would be no removing of tax-exempt status based on religious beliefs about same-sex marriage, the
2: fact that the bipartisan group turned that down, well, that should tell you everything you need to know.
1: What he's referring to is that what the the government is telling us is that this bill going through the Congress, the Respect for Marriage Act, is simply codifying the Obergefell decision, which was the gay marriage decision, and making gay marriage the law of the land, which it already is. And they're saying, oh, this is just uh, we're just making it the law of the land, just in case it comes back to the Supreme Court and they want to overturn it. OK, we've heard that. But what it is, is it's another thing like Prop 1 was in California where they refuse to add into the law the different exceptions. Like, how are we protecting religious institutions of all kinds who say that marriage is between a man and a woman or say that they are providing for adoption or foster parenting or similar type of services? And they what people believe, what Senator Mike Lee believes, what Al Mohler believes, what many people are coming out and saying they believe, is that the Respect for Marriage Act is simply not simply – codifying into law the gay marriage rule. Instead, it's going to be an attack on Christian organizations. Mike Lee had this to say in a statement that he published today. He said, Religious Americans will be subject to potentially ruinous litigation while the tax-exempt status of certain charitable organizations, educational institutions, and nonprofits will be threatened. My amendment would have shored up these vulnerabilities. It's a shame it wasn't included. Mike Lee was a pretty far-to-the-right conservative would have even voted for this amendment if they would have taken in his – or voted for his bill if they would have taken his amendment, which would have offered protection for religious nonprofits, but it was rejected and they didn't want to talk about it, which suggests – that there is another agenda here. So we've been talking about that. And what I'm going to do this hour, or at least in this segment here, is I want to continue the conversation from the last hour. I have Miss Martin on the phone from L.A. She had a question. We had to take a break. We'll take her call. We'll take your calls, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Also, last hour, I promised to give you some thought about why conversations about so many things have have changed and I didn't get to that because we had a great call from somebody who was not a believer in the last hour, had a lot of questions about marriage, and I felt like that was more important to get to that then. so we did that, but i'll I'll take care of that here in just a minute. I want to get back to Miss Martin here. Ms Martin, thank you for holding. you've been on hold a very long time. So can you uh, just repeat your question and what your thinking was um, and then we'll get to that. Uh,
3: Mr. Toro, I have several questions. Now, number one the the pastors of the churches are concerned, if they go against it, that they could lose their tax uh, exemptions or whatever. I think they're they're more
1: concerned about nonprofit organizations, Uh, not the church as much. There's probably more protection for a congregation, but for adoption Mm -hmm. agencies or Christian or other religious nonprofits. It doesn't have to be Christian. It could be Muslim or Mormon, you know, Jewish. Uh, Those -hmm. are the organizations that they think are the most uh, threatened by this.
3: Yes, and that's true because they do support them. Now, the other thing is this. It's, it appears that we're having problems, it appears, with psychiatrists and with the politicians forcing on us things that are not right. They're going to make decisions for us. For instance, I know several uh, homosexuals and lesbians. I'm a Christian, and they've talked to me, and I've seen them in action and everything. And also, it's going to it they be... Deb- It seems everything they touch, not only the churches, but also organizations. And sir, I want to let you know, the impression I get is that they want homosexual sales to pop up over the country. Uh, where they well, will go after men because they know that men need sex, they said, and they want money and power and they want to charge right. them. Different well, groups, okay? I, hold on now, a second. Tell me about-
1: hold on a second. I think that there are maybe some people who have certain agendas like that, but I wouldn't throw everybody in that bucket at all. Uh, be careful. I wouldn't
3: either. Yeah. But I wouldn't either, but the thing is that there's a lot of hypocrisy and evil. They will tell you it is, they're based on violence and evil, also drugs. Now, the thing is, is that when you are a Christian, you're in a church that this Bible believes in the Bible. You cannot have someone standing up saying that this is their husband or they their wife, especially when you believe in the scriptures and in the Bible. So what they what the politicians are doing, they're not taking in consideration what people really feel, because the ones I know are against it. So they are using the the news media
1: to
3: propagate it before us and force it on us. And another thing, sir, a lot of homosexuals don't want it. They do not want to get married. I've spoken to several who just right. came out and told me let that. Me, uh, uh, let
1: me said, try to...
3: Uh, to yeah. All right,
1: Ms. Martin, I appreciate uh, all of that. Hold on just a second. So you, you've thrown a lot of stuff out there. What's your last question, and then I'll try to uh, get to them.
3: Okay, now they divide everything they touch. And another thing is this. You have sexual slavery in homosexuality. Sir, there is just so much evil in it until it overcomes the good. And then you've got the news media... Also, sir, you've got nine shows with a language they want to put on Americans now. Things will become anal. All right,
1: okay. There's a a lot of stuff. I appreciate your call. Thanks for holding uh, through that. And um, let me try to get to some of the things. First of all, you know, one of the things I think that for for us to keep in mind is there is a lot of hypocrisy even on the the side of of church with all of this, you know, scripturally speaking— uh there's a whole lot more going on with heterosexuals dealing with sexual sin. And I think that that it's really important that we don't sort of separate out one group of what we would say biblically is immoral from another group of people. Uh, it's funny that you said uh you know some people don't want marriage. I have a one of my friends who's gay, um he uh he said this to me. He said, you know we were having a conversation about how many gay people are republicans and they are and we're talking about gay marriage and he said um you know what we really want is gay gay people he says most of us are are not the ones that you see you know making a public um display of different things most of us just have jobs and we're bankers and we're lawyers and uh, we're investment brokers we we sell insurance he said, "More than a gold ring on the finger, what we want is a solid gold four hundred one k." And that's why we vote Republican. I thought that was a funny comment, uh, and uh, maybe something kind of true with all of that. I want us to be careful because there is a lot of. We talked about this some in the last hour. We have to in the church. We were talking last hour about how divorce is something that was more accepted in the church, and and uh, you know the different things. One of the things uh, that I think you are getting at is why are are different things that have ever been accepted by societies before being forced upon us by different people? And let me give you a little explanation of kind of what has happened. I'm doing a lot of study on this because a lot of these conversations we would not have had just 10 years ago. Until 2012, for example, on the gay marriage issue, until 2012, every single Democrat and every single Republican president, presidential candidate, including Barack Obama, including Hillary Clinton, including Donald Trump, every presidential candidate before 2012 was against gay marriage, all of them. And uh, you can go online and you can hear all the conversations. And all of it had to do with – and the reason why wasn't necessarily always a moral statement. Not all of those people claimed to be Most of those people do claim to be Christians, but most of them really not necessarily are are making a religious argument. They were making an argument about a culture, about how important it is for people, for a culture to have the family intact, mother and father and having kids and having babies. In fact, one of the things that's big in the news today, and we played this the last hour, this is Chuck Schumer talking about immigration today. Listen to what he says about this subject.
2: Now more than ever – We're short of workers. Uh, We have a population that is not reproducing it on its own with the same level that it used to. The only way we're going to have a great future in America is if we welcome and embrace immigrants, the dreamers and all of them, because our ultimate goal is to help the dreamers, but get a path to citizenship for all 11 million or however many undocumented. So he says this very
1: interesting thing that the only way as a country we're going to have a future is if we if we bring in immigrants, but I don't want you to hear that part. The part I want you to hear right now is we're not having babies like we used to have, and therefore the only answer is bring in uh, more immigrants and give people the path to citizenship and all that. It's a whole other conversation. The reason he's saying that is we can't support our government programs and other stuff if we don't have more and more taxpayers, if our population doesn't grow, and our population is not growing since I think 2015, our population is not growing as far as people having births, and part of that is because of the subversion of marriage, and it isn't just gay marriage. Gay marriage is really the end of of a lot of the subversion of marriage that's been going on. The divorce laws, the acceptance of divorce, the acceptance uh, after the sexual revolution of um, promiscuous sex, even in the church, it is, you know, it's led to a culture that's not having babies, right to the point where we now have, as we talked about last hour, lots of kids embracing the idea of never having babies. People who have never been married, never had babies, having um, surgeries done to make sure they can never have babies. All of these things are happening because there has been a societal and philosophical shift. And For many of us who want to have a conversation like we would have had, say, with Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton in 2008, where we might have a discussion about gay marriage, but we're talking about the family as a unit. We might be talking about God or Christian views of sexuality or other stuff. The reason this has changed is because philosophically we're no longer going to do that. There's a writer, his name is Philip Reeve, a philosopher. And uh, what he has done is he has broken this down into different world beliefs. You hear normally when you hear first world, second world, third world, you're you're thinking about you know economics and development. Okay, so a first world country would be the United States, we're economically developed, moving forward. Third world country um, might be you know Ethiopia, where there's developing that needs to go on, right? In his point of view, what he's talking about, first world, second world, third world, is very, very different. And I want you to listen to this because I think it makes sense, okay? I think that it's something that will help us understand why this conversation just doesn't work anymore, okay? Um, what he's saying is that the first and second world, the first world is basically pagan, meaning that as societies developed, they were originally pagan, but they had some sort of sacred you know, or religious view for why they did things. And they might have believed that the sun was God, or they had multiple gods, they had all kinds of different things going on, and they made decisions about marriage or having kids or or whatever it is that they were, whatever their morality was the thing that was keeping that morality together was whatever their pagan idea was of of God or or the universe. The second world is where you have more organized religion, so particularly a Christian world, the world that most of us have experienced our whole life, the idea that we believe that there is an ultimate truth, that the reason for morality in most of Western world or even in Eastern countries where maybe they might be Buddhist or or different faiths, different religions, you have some kind of idea about why morality exists, and it exists for the betterment of people. There is an idea of good and bad, and the decider of good and bad is either God, a personal God, or God might be multiple, but it's well-defined, or God might be the universe, um, and karma, and all of that. And... Until recently, that has been the world where people have the conversation, and when we had moral conversations, whatever it is, about abortion, about homosexuality, about divorce, about gay marriage, other stuff like this, what you have is this kind of boundary that most of human civilization has had, either a pagan reason for morality or a – that was based on you know false gods or the sun or just power, but something that was sacred – Um, you have that in most of our thinking. What's happened is that in the third world, we've gotten rid of the sacred, where the idea is, is that there is no sacred order, there is no foundation of a sacred order, and the only order is whatever we decide it is. And suddenly we become the deity. We even become our own deity, you see. And therefore, if we're going to have a conversation about gay marriage, The problem is, is that where 10 years ago, we would have had that conversation with the idea that there might be a God or a universe out there that somehow is judging our behavior. Or if we're going to have a conversation about abortion, it used to be that there was a conversation to be had about, well, that baby is human and human beings have rights and those rights are granted by God. And we might argue about when personhood begins and personhood begins after birth, the pro-choice person would say, or personhood begins uh, during You know, at conception, a pro-life person might say, or somebody might say personhood begins once the embryo becomes a fetus. There were all kinds of arguments, but the argument was based on the idea that there is personhood, that personhood matters, that there is a sacred reason to protect life. And whatever you believe that sacred reason to be, that used to be a part of the foundation of that argument. Does that make sense? Today, we've gotten rid of the sacred today, and this has happened over time, okay, it's, it's, it's part of what Marxism began and Marxism had a complete failure in the 20th century. It's uh, a part of philosophical change today in, the, in this third world idea is that morality is whatever we want it to be and there is no sacred. And the problem with that is it doesn't work. Everything falls apart. Everything becomes a mess. And the reason right now we have so many weird conversations The reason that you have generational misunderstanding is because now you have a generation that's grown up with nothing sacred, that doesn't believe there is anything sacred, and a notion that cultures are not defined by what is sacred, that ethics is not defined on what is sacred, that culture and ethics are defined on whatever it is you want them to be, and you can just change it. And that has become the ethical discourse. That has become... Uh, And what it has taken out of our society is the ability to have a conversation about why marriage is necessary for a civilization to grow and be strong and do well, because that conversation ultimately is rooted in something sacred. That conversation is ultimately rooted, and I would say as a Christian, it's ultimately rooted in Genesis 1. It's ultimately rooted in Matthew 19, where Jesus talks about the family. And if you were a different religion, if you're a Buddhist or you are a Hindu or a, another world religion, Muslim, you would have a sacred text somewhere or sacred belief that is rooted in that conversation, even if you're not talking about religion. And what we have seen is that societies over time that have had the family intact, mothers and fathers and kids being raised with a a moral ethic, those societies do well. And that what we have seen in history is when you take that ethic away, those societies fail. The odd thing about our time today is that this conversation that I'm having right now would be utterly rejected by a third world thinker, because there's nothing sacred. I have nothing to base this opinion on, they would say. And they would say that I'm some kind of racist, or I'm some kind of hater, or I'm just ancient. And, uh, you know, what we are, the divisions that we're seeing the breakup of of kids and their parents and of marriages, the do-whatever-you-want-when-it-comes-to-marriage and all of this stuff, it's because philosophically we've rejected the sacred. And I would say as a Christian, philosophically, we have rejected God. This really is a post-Christian era um, that, yes, there are lots of Christians and lots of people are becoming Christians, but the reason that things are so confusing out there is because we've rejected What would be ontological truth? We've rejected the sacred. And the Respect for Marriage Act, a lot of the things that we're seeing that seem like don't make a lot of sense, it's because you have second-world thinkers who think there is something sacred um, arguing against third-world thinkers who who don't think that way at all. And it doesn't even make sense, and you can't really even have a conversation about it. And that is the, that's the difficulty. We have to catch up to this. There's a great book. It's called The, the Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. If you want to read a book about this um, and go through it, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Uh, it's by Carl R. Truman. I recommend this book. Uh, it'll blow your mind, but it will help you catch up to where we are in these conversations. And especially if you've got grandkids or you got Uh, kids in school, your kids are in public school. You know, why are we, why are we sexualizing our kids? We're openly doing it. Why are we having, why are we having, uh, you know, drag shows for little kids? You know, just 10 years ago, you would have been arrested for that. There's just no way the society would have put up with that or even done it. Drag queens probably wouldn't have done it. And now it's becoming a regular thing endorsed by our culture. What's happening is, ultimately, what's really happening is people are rejecting Christ, but they're also rejecting the notion of anything sacred at all. And that is where we have so much confusion. I hope that's a helpful explanation for your questions um, that you asked. And uh, for all of us listening, I think, you know, that's a big part of what we want to do in our show is that we want to be informed and we want to be able to have loving conversations with people and sometimes the, the argument with people is just not going to work because the foundation for thinking isn't even there. We need to show people grace and show people love, including our, our homosexual friends, including our friends who are whatever sexual today, uh, including whoever it is that just completely opposed to us. Um, we believe as Christians that we have the truth in Jesus Christ. We don't need to act like we don't, or get offended if somebody says you're a hater. Instead, we need to do what Jesus asked us to do, which was love other people. Be there in their time of need. When you see a person who might be miserable or struggling, be there for them. I'm going to, you know, when when we come back, maybe I'll, uh, I got to take a break. I'll tell you a story. A friend of mine uh, who is gay sat down with me and had coffee a few years ago, and he said something that, you know, it hit me to the core. And it's something I think that was helpful for me, something I think for all of us as we look forward here. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Thursday edition continues.
2: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. It's good to be with you today. We've got a little di- bit different direction than uh, what I had planned, but I think it's something that is really good for us to talk about. We were talking last hour in particular about the Respect for Marriage Act and uh, what that means for nonprofit organizations. We'll talk about that uh, you know, as it continues. It's something that uh, is not just making gay marriage the law of the land uh, by a law of Congress rather than the Supreme Court uh the belief is is that it will hinder the ministry work done by religious nonprofits in areas of um adoption in particular or foster care or other things related to kids and we've been talking a little bit about that i'll take your calls in a minute before the break you know i think there's a i mentioned i have this story a friend of mine he's, he's gay he's married i tried to get him not to get married it's kind of funny because uh I said, you don't want to get married. He goes, why? I said, because you're going to give this dude half your stuff. <laughs> and uh, he laughed and he thought about it, but uh didn't work. Anyway, though, he's a good enough friend where we sat down, we had coffee. And uh, the first time we sat down to really have a conversation about things, um, at the time I was a pastor of a church, a uh, pastor of a Baptist church. And he said to me this, he said, you know, I think most people in your position would never sit down and have coffee with me. That's what he said. And I had to say, gosh, you know, I know that's true of some. I don't think that's fair of, of most. But I know that that is true of some. And I know that that is uh, certainly the reputation out there. And, uh, you know, it was a heartbreaking thing. and But I was appreciative that he felt like he could say that to me, that our relationship was good enough for that. And he knew that I, I wasn't compromising the Word of God. He knew where I was coming from on different things, and uh, we're still friends. And you know what? Uh, that should not be the church reputation. The church should have a reputation where it has a sexual ethic that it keeps, uh, and that it keeps within within the church. I mean, that's the biggest problem, is it's really hard to say, you know, certain things are wrong when we're doing other certain things and we don't care uh, about that, Um I think the church would be much better, as we've talked about how the conversation changes. I think this is why you get instruction from the Bible, from Christ, about who we are supposed to be, that they will know us by our love, that they will know us because of the way we treat people, not because of the way we're able to state uh, a doctrine here and there. It's important that we are able to teach and to be able to profess the gospel and teach the gospel. We are, we are instructed to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have, um, but that reason is not going to be heard too well if we aren't loving, and uh, there's just a lot that we've got to deal with. All right, let's go to the phones, 888-528-2557. Chris and Whittier, welcome to Southern California Live.
4: Hey, Scott. You know, you are becoming Can't Miss Radio <laughs> and you're bending my life. I've oh, well, excellent. I'm next to a radio or in the car during this little two-hour thing because, my God, I mean, you know, you take such deep dives, but in very rational and accessible ways. So
1: well, thank you, Chris. For we, we hope to do that.
4: Yeah. Okay. Well, you really stimulated this thought in me because we just came out of this whole political thing, and the Republicans are disappointed, and uh, Republicans are made up of a faction of a lot of conservative people, but also a lot of church people, mm. to be honest with you. I mean, there are a lot of church people that are very liberal as well, but the dominant um, muscle is in the conservative direction. And uh, just like this this uh, date you had with your gay friend really illustrates a very important point, is that our power is shifting we are no longer going to be a factional power in the sense that we speak about what the church does. And we, the church has these tax-exempt um, status. And the church says this, as if we're some kind of a giant faction, a collection of people. That, those opportunities are drying up, and I think that's intentional by God. But at the very same time, these uh, surgical, personal appointments, like you had with your gay friend, is opening wide open, wide open. And, you know, so when, you know, when Christ talks about, uh, well, the Church of Jesus, he's talking about you personally, you know, mm, yeah. us personally. And I think the faster we can flip and stop thinking of ourselves as a collective action that's exercising political power and influence, and instead look at us as each individual person has a sword of the spirit. Each individual person has a relationship with Christ and they're all flavored differently. But if we heed the call and respond to the opportunities that God puts right in front of our face, we can save souls right up to the very end. And And even as the factional power uh, is dissipated and is swallowed up by this tidal wave of cultural, um, aggression.
1: Yeah, Chris, I appreciate uh, that thinking on there. I think, and thank you for calling and for listening to Southern California Live. You know, uh, I do think God is doing stuff with the Church. I think uh, He's always doing stuff with the Church, right? But I feel like they're, especially since the COVID hit, and it has caused the Church to re-examine itself. Um, and the, maybe one of the things that the church needs to do is have a good internal study on something that a big word we used to use called ecclesiology. What is the church? Have we lost the connection with that? We live in a country where we have religious freedoms and we vote and, you know, we have political parties and and power is with the people in a way that has never been seen in human history. And I think that becomes sometimes hard to uh, separate from our faith, which certainly will drive what we think about, all kinds of different things. Um, But something that's certainly true throughout history is that whenever the church has gained political power, it messes things up. That whenever the church has been a, a political force, it becomes a disaster for the church and then usually that culture. And that's because that's not who we are. We're not of this world. We are ambassadors of Christ, and the church should be the church regardless of what the—whatever uh, the culture it's in. And we do have to take a look at, at how we approach issues, not just from the pulpit, which is certainly part of it, but also from the pew, because the church isn't the pastor and the deacons and the elders and the nonprofit corporation that meets at some address in a building— uh, the church is you and me, and our relationship with the people that God placed in our life, that matters. And therefore, what we say with our mouth, how we treat people, our our understanding of our, the issues, our ability to communicate in love, those are things that we really have to work on because the soul matters. Um, somebody coming to know Christ is what matters. And the moral issues that that follow Jesus is going to work on them. You know, there are some people who don't want to come to Christ because they know already that Jesus wants them to change their view or their activity morally. Um, but you come to Christ first and then you let Jesus work on you. And we need to think about that a whole lot more. 888-528-2557. David in Culver City. Welcome to Southern
2: California Live. Hi, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. Um, You know, I disagree with your analysis of a few things. Number one, the reason most politicians up until recently were against gay marriage was because it was politically untenable to be pro-gay. I mean, it had nothing to do with morality or religious belief for a lot of politicians. It was just a political calculation.
1: So you think that they were always, that they really didn't change their mind, that they're just doing that because now it's politically expedient?
2: absolutely there's i mean there's been most I don't think there are any more gays now than there ever were It's just they're not closeted because it's socially acceptable most of the population now accepts gays accepts that, and you know uh I'm not saying if that's right or wrong, but I'm saying you know that's the society we live in, and I think the reason you're seeing the kind of legislation that's going through the Senate now and the reason that you saw all these abortion amendments. Uh, that were either defeated or passed in conservative states like Kansas and in Kentucky, including Mm -hmm. California, is because, number one, a lot of society accepts abortion. And they're scared by Roe v. Wade, which uh, the Dobbs decision, which overturned 50 years of social acceptance. And I think that's the same thing that's going on with gay marriage because uh, Justice Thomas... Mentioned in his decision that he thought we need to revisit Obergefell. Why so, do you think... Um,
1: uh, here's my question, though, for you in, in all of this. I think that I agree with okay. you on, on a lot of this stuff, but why not put in uh, protections for religious liberty that the, the court has upheld and that have always been part of uh, how we address things? Why are they against doing that?
2: You know, I, I, I hate to say it, I'm not sure about what's in that act. I don't believe much of what Mike Lee says. He, he was an election denier. He'll say anything that's politically. Well, he's not the only one, though. He's hated. the one I
1: quoted because well, he's out I, there. But I, there's, there's well, a whole lot of people. I, I
2: understand. And, well, uh, the, I haven't the read it. Groups. I haven't analyzed it. I'm sure that, that if, that's, if that isn't in the bill, parts of it won't hold up in front of the Supreme Court. So I'm not worried that religious organizations are going are to lose their exemption. I don't think the Supreme Court would support well, that.
1: Well, the religious so organizations are worried, though. though. That's, kind of, that's kind of the point there. I appreciate that. Well, uh, they're,
2: they, go they're ahead. always worried about those things whenever it's against what they want. You, you know they're fright, they're trying to frighten uh congressmen into voting against it i understand that well, that's do you, fine. That's do you think
1: that it. the yeah do you think though that they're right ultimately that the religious freedoms are go, are going to go away uh, no, I don't. You don't think so?
2: Okay. I don't think we live in that kind of society where religious freedom is endangered. No. Right.
1: Well, I certainly hope that you're right, David. I got to take a break. Thank you for your call, and uh, you're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. I'll be back as the Thursday edition continues.
2: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812.
3: There is no greater official honor for me than to stand on this floor and to speak for the people of San Francisco. This I will continue to do as a member of the House, speaking for the people of San Francisco, serving the great state of California, and defending our Constitution. And with great confidence in our caucus, I will not seek re-election to Democratic leadership in the next Congress.
1: That was Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House today, announcing that she will not seek leadership. So she is uh, no longer going to be the Speaker come uh, the first year. Some There was some speculation on different ends on whether or not she would actually just resign her congressional seat, and then Gavin Newsom would appoint someone else in the role. She says she's not going to do that, so she will serve her term. She's 82. She'll be in there till uh, at least 84. She doesn't have any plans to retire, she says, uh, retire from uh, the role altogether. And, uh, you know, I think uh, sometimes we'll ask that question, uh, what's too old? You know, we we were going to do that a little bit today. We'll we'll skip that part now because we've had such a good discussion about uh, other things that I think are are that matter a whole lot more. You know, uh, Thanksgiving's coming up. Did you know that's next week? Do you have a favorite Thanksgiving movie? They don't have a lot of Thanksgiving movies, but there's there's a lot of them. And you know what's interesting about a Thanksgiving movie is usually a Thanksgiving movie has a lot of tension around the table that part of the plot of the movie, or if in this movie, maybe the movie's not about Thanksgiving, but if it happens around the time of Thanksgiving, an interesting thing happens is that around that family table, that is where a lot of the tension of the movie occurs. Um, And I think about that whenever we have these conversations, not always Thanksgiving. I always think about Thanksgiving. It is my favorite holiday. We need more Thanksgiving movies and songs. I'm not really sure how you, you know, sing a whole lot about turkey, but you can have a whole lot of uh, songs about, um, you know, Thanksgiving, which is what it's about. We'll talk more about that, of course, next week. And uh, do you have plans for Thanksgiving? You're going somewhere? you staying in town? Are you inviting people uh, to be with you? You know, when we talk about controversial issues, as we have today, something that all of us, and I try to be aware of as much as I can, is that for some of us, we're talking about might be gay marriage or transgender issues or abortion or issues in the church or doctrinal issues, politics, whatever it is, Nancy Pelosi, whomever, we have these conversations and they're kind of theoretical for some of us, and we can talk about them, you know, in the in the context of, you know, almost education. But for many of us who have these conversations, and particularly around our Thanksgiving table, it's a different conversation, isn't it? It's a different conversation um, if your kids are dealing with some of these subjects in person, or your parents, or your friends, or the people that you know are you. The conversation is going to come from a, a different standpoint. And I think a big part for us as Christians who need to be letting people know about the love of Jesus Christ is that Jesus is able to show us how to have a conversation where it's about the heart of where that person is coming from, without giving up what is true, without turning it into something else that it doesn't have to be about. You know, and there can be a lot of tension uh, that goes on um, at the Thanksgiving table, for example. Um, this is a, a movie with uh, Meryl Streep, where they are about to have this, this conversation uh, as a family, Uh, That gets pretty, pretty tense. Here it goes.
3: She's always had a feeling for the underdog. Don't be mean to me right now. I'm not. Everybody's got the idea. I am mean, all of a sudden. Please. I'm just telling the truth. You're a drug addict. That's the truth. That's what I'm getting at. Hey, everybody, everybody listen. I'm a drug addict.
1: That's a movie. I've never seen it. Uh, um, August Country or it's uh, something like that. And uh, have you had those conversations around your table where all of a sudden somebody just dumps on somebody else and then it becomes the thing? Um, That happens. And maybe we have conversations. Maybe you've had conversations that are hard to have uh, around the table. Um, There are often subjects you don't bring up. Do you have that person who sits at your house, (laughs) at your table, and you're like, you want to sit next to them so you can lean into them and go, no, bring it up. Don't say it. Don't say anything. Uh, (laughs) Those happen sometimes. Um, sometimes it's political, right? Um, po- families go back and forth. My family used to be pretty divided—biblical cousins and/or ev- not biblically, but uh, well, sometimes biblically, but uh, politically. And we go back and forth, and people would argue about different things. And actually, it was a lot of fun mostly. But then there'd be a couple of people who would take great offense to something, or they would have a a very radical view. And it's pretty funny when the the radical view comes out, and then everybody eats real fast and goes home, and that's kind of the end of it. That was. <laughs> something that happened in our family from time to time. I know that maybe that happens in, in uh, with you. You know, what I would encourage you is, is don't give up. Don't give up on your family or the people who you feel like maybe uh, you don't want to invite, but you don't know where they're really going to go. Keep inviting them. If you don't know who that person is, maybe it's you, (laughs) you know, so maybe just uh, as you do get invited, make sure that you're having a good conversation um, and that you have a really, really good attitude. It can get, uh, it can get pretty messy. We even saw it in the uh, the cartoons. This is uh, from the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving special. Uh, Peppermint Patty is not pleased with Snoopy's Thanksgiving meal.
3: What's this? A piece of toast, a pretzel stick, popcorn. What blockhead cooked all this? What kind of a Thanksgiving dinner is this? Where's the turkey, Chuck? Don't you know anything about Thanksgiving dinners? Where's the mashed potatoes? Where's the cranberry sauce? Where's the pumpkin pie?
1: And there you have the idea of... Do you have that? Is that your experience at uh, your Thanksgiving dinner? What I would tell you is if it is don't let that be you you don't don't be the peppermint patty at your thanksgiving meal uh coming up be an encourager wherever you go and if there are people coming and you just have profound disagreements on things you know do the best you can to be to be loving part of what we began this hour talking about is just the the difference of philosophical opinions that people have and where our foundation is for things and this is why sometimes we have arguments over things that would seem to be very um clear to us that are just not clear anymore. Uh, Before the break, um, caller David was saying that uh, he thinks that people who change their mind, politicians who change their mind about gay marriage or other things as the culture uh, changed its mind about those things, or as those things became just more acceptable over time, that they always believe that. That could be true. Uh, You know, politicians, you know, they know how to put their finger in the, in the air and see which way the wind's blowing. That's, uh, it's not right, but it's part of it, and so he might be right about that. But I don't know, because if you go back and you click and you watch you know, Hillary Clinton's argument for marriage, it's the same argument that I would make. Uh, not necessarily from a Christian perspective, but from a societal perspective. Well, she doesn't make that argument anymore. Uh, Barack Obama the same way. He originally made a pretty good argument for why marriage needs to be between a man and a woman. Maybe he never believed that. Maybe he thought I can't get elected if I say the other thing. I, I maybe. Uh that's possible. Are we going you know, by that mindset, then I think over time we're going to see Republicans change their mind to be more for gay marriage. And we are seeing that, right? Twelve Republicans, 12, uh voted today for uh, the Respect for Marriage Act, 12 Republicans in the Senate, and they voted uh, really to to stop any chance of there being a filibuster in the Senate. Um, but it will come to a vote and most likely pass. And uh, Republicans, uh, I think, in the the House and the Senate will likely vote for that. Maybe that's Maybe it's a reflection of where they've always believed, or maybe the opposite is true. Maybe they don't believe in it, but they think they can't get elected if they don't say it, and so they've changed their mind that way. I'm wondering where people really are in their hearts. Well, for Christians, we can't be a politician. We've got to have a, a biblical idea of where we are and be right with that, um, and be right with that between us and God. But what God has for us is not to, to take somebody at our Thanksgiving table and try to get them to vote the way that we vote. That might be part of the fun conversation if it's a healthy thing. You know, I have that conversation. But as Christians, you know, we are to love people in such a way that they see Christ in us. And the people who are in your relational world, the people you work with, the people that you go to school with, your next door neighbors, they're your family, your people who live with you. But the people that you actually do life with, the interesting thing about that group of people where it comes to your faith is that that group of people, they know whether or not you really believe the stuff you're saying. Like they're close enough to you probably where they either see it in your life or they're close enough to you where you could have a real conversation, right? Somebody knows what Hillary Clinton actually thinks about gay marriage. Her and Bill sit on the couch, and they're going to have some real conversation, and they're either saying, you know, we really changed our mind about this, I really think it's a good thing today, or they're going to say, you know, I don't really agree with this, but I feel like we got to say it in order to be elected. You know, only the people who are closest to them personally know where they're at, and people who are in government today and their decisions on that, there is something relational going on where somebody really knows. Jesus knows what's on your heart. Jesus knows what's on the heart of other people, and what Jesus wants ultimately is trust in Him, His Spirit. I fully believe that if people are Christians, that they've got the Holy Spirit in them, and maybe they've ignored the Holy Spirit for a long time, but the Holy Spirit will change people's lives as they grow closer to Christ, which is what He's doing. And that will change people's political opinions if it's necessary, Um, but sometimes it's it's certainly less necessary than than other things. I think it changes our, our moral behaviors, our understanding of the world. And that's a big way where the church is going to have a role in the future of moving our culture back to a place where, where what I would say is it'll have more sanity. Not because uh, everyone just checks a box and has right belief, but because people, you know, if the church comes to a place where the church once again has credibility, not because they have political power, but because they have credibility because of love in a culture that is falling apart, the church will have a tremendous impact because the gospel changes lives. That's something that we know. Tomorrow, my friends, we'll be broadcasting this show live from the Union Rescue Mission in Los Angeles. I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be fantastic. And we're going to be talking about life change. You don't want to miss it. We're going to have a really good time doing that. We're frying up some turkeys, getting ready for Thanksgiving, and we got a lot of good conversation tomorrow. Thanks for today's conversation and listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. God
0: bless you. I'll see you tomorrow